millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, Yasmin. Long time no pod. What is it been like? (laughs) Three days? (laughs) Uh, How have you been? Good, good. I'm excited to talk about um, the positive turn of events for the Raptors. Right. All the great uh, play. I was going to say, like, it, it has not been long since we potted last, but the Raptors are 500, or over 500 for the first time since, what, since they were, like, seven and six earlier this year back in November. So things have really turned. I kind of want to knock on wood a little bit. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I feel like as I've been on this, like, just talking to Evan a couple of times, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the Thunder? They're going to beat the Thunder. The Thunder just lost by 70. And then, like, the next day comes, and they lose to the Thunder. <laughs> and I've done mm-hmm. the same thing with the Pacers. So I've learned to just, like, pace myself and, and not get ahead of myself here. But the Raptors look really good. And I wanted to talk about the game that brought them to that above 500 mark against the Milwaukee Bucks. And we all know that I love when we beat the Milwaukee Bucks. What are your thoughts about yesterday's game? Um, for that game, uh, I really was looking forward to Giannis playing, but it was like the second time um, we didn't get a chance to see the Raptors against him. And um, yeah, it, it would have been just an interesting um, matchup because of the size of the Raptors front court, seeing how effective it would be against, you know, the best power forward in the game. So that was a downside to it. But it's still when you have a championship team, it doesn't matter if they're missing their best player. They just have they have so much role player talent and they have such that, you know, they have um, Drew and Chris who have been carrying um you know segments of the offense for huge stretches and that's what you know that's what a championship team is they have just like a just a an ecosystem of players surrounding their star who you know we we saw the Raptors you know continuously win games without Kawhi during their championship season so um it's still not an easy matchup so I'm seeing them go in and um that that first half defense has been an issue off season all season for the Raptors which I think is a reflection of just the youthfulness of the team they're very young um they don't go into every matchup with the immediate level of energy that they need but I don't know what Nick Nurse says during the halftime break but whatever he says tends to work because that third quarter defense I should I need to look up the numbers because it seems that every third quarter they tighten up and um they fix a lot of their issues from the first half so uh we got to see that in effect again um, but they would definitely make it a lot easier on themselves if they come in with the defensive energy. But I guess it's something that you acquire through repetition and, um, you know, gaining that veteran knowledge. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a great um, game to watch. Um, seeing Pascal thrive was cool. Um, he tends to play the Bucks pretty well. Um, I, I think their scheme of um, clogging the, it's probably the absence of Brooke Lopez that made it a little easier for them too. Um, made the interior a lot easier to navigate for Scotty and Pascal, who kept finding, you know, pockets to um, exploit during the game. So um, it was a great game to watch. Um, it was cool seeing Fred take a backseat a little bit <laughs> after the stretch he's been having um, for his all-star campaign. And 
seeing Pascal continue the um, the dominant stretch he's been showing and um, just you know playing some of his best basketball period. Pascal is phenomenal and it was it was nice it was nice to see Freddie take a back seat now everyone knows I love watching Bucks games so I can get slander off on my favorite person to slander uh Christian Middleton James Christian Middleton that is um, so I just want to I want to point it out because it's been it's been so long and I finally feel like the tides have turned in my favor people are defending me in my DeMar DeRozan is a better player than Chris Middleton what are we even talking about you're ahead people? of the curve you've been saying that for years <laughs> I've been saying it for years and finally people have, have been on my side and here's the thing people would often point to DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs and how when he would get trapped he didn't know what to do. And part of the reason why DeMar DeRozan has become the playmaker that he is today is because he needed to based off of those playoff occurrences that happened time and time again. But let yeah. me just tell you, DeMar was fine being doubled quite often in games in January. Not the case with Chris Middleton last night. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. It's, it's very difficult to explain. Um, I guess I guess he doesn't have to encounter that kind of defensive attention when they're at full health because Giannis just requires so much Giannis needs five defenders focusing on them so when you send the double building to Chris, the wall. yeah when you when you send the double to Chris it's just not a scenario that he encounters often I think that even Bucks fans can deny that um so it, it's just something he doesn't have to deal with and when he does playing it, alongside Giannis and in any time where he does encounter a double, it's not going to be the two best defenders on a team. He is not going no. to, it's it's not going to be the Kawhi and Marcus Ole coming at you, right? So he's never had to really deal with that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm glad that I can say it without a million people coming into my mentions now. It just feels remarkable. Um, so you talked about Brooke Lopez being out and I agree that that did help the Raptors. And I want to say, just because I, I keep harping on this, like people have talked about, you know, the Raptors kind of winning a lot of these games with guys in and out of the lineup on the other team. Hello, thank you. The tides have turned in our favor. What have we been what? doing for the last, what, 18 months at this point? So I'm going to take it. I'm going to take these wins without Giannis, without not Brooke. Complaining. Not at all, not at all. But someone who did sort of step up in Brooke's absence was DeMarcus Cousins, who yeah. in 20 minutes of play, he had 15 points and 10 rebounds. And then got waved before he finished showering <laughs> yeah before he even like someone said his hand is still up in the huddle <laughs> like they're still finishing the huddle and then shams is like yeah they're planning to wave him um from the few bucks fans i followed um they were just as perplexed by this like um demarcus cousins was doing pretty decent like obviously he's lost a lot of his um uh, the, you know, his intimidating quality in the interior on offense, you know, he's, he has, he's coming back from injuries and stuff, um, typically career ending injuries for big men. So, um, seeing him kind of string together these, um, numbers and look like a decent backup big, um, you were expecting that, but it seems based on the Bucks fans I follow that it was probably an issue of money. So the Bucks are organization, they are not going to try and spend over what they can, like, they will cut off what they can. So it wasn't um, to Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. It wasn't too surprising to them in that sense. So um, it's interesting because they said that they value that, that they want to have an open roster spot. So it could indicate maybe they're making space for something prior to the trade deadline. Um, and that we're seeing like the beginning stages of that, but um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, he's going to be picked up pretty quickly. I think. 
Yeah, I already saw a lot of Raptor fans kind of talking about it. Now I don't know how the Raptors do that, considering um, where they're at right now with their roster. I don't know what happens with Goron. Yeah, just, um, and of course, Raptor fans have sort of been harping on needing a center. Do you think that there's any sort of future that the Raptors and DeMarcus can maybe find each other? Do you think he's going to get picked up before the Raptors can even consider that as an option? I Yeah, I don't see him being on the Raptors. I feel like yeah. if the Raptors do make any move, which... Um, to me, I just want to see this group grow. But if they were to make any additions to this roster, um, I think they're going to look for just uh, a backup, someone, someone outside of Fred and Gary Trent who can play guard and score. So, you know, to me, the ideal addition to this Raptors team would be like just a scoring focused six man, like a, a guard right off the bench who can just give maybe me that. plays oh, for the like Indiana 18 points per game like you know we, before we had the luxury of norm and fred van vliet coming off the bench and now we just don't have that kind of semi-starter like a guy who could easily be a starter on any other team i think that's the type of player that they need off the bench uh demarcus cousins like they're gonna get him if, if, if they were to get him he'd be put into the team and they're not going to notice much of a difference in terms of what they actually need so i think that if you add that type of archetype of a scoring guard off the bench, they'll notice more of a difference than if they're to enter um, a center into the fold. Like to to get get the Raptors a center now, it would have to be someone who's like a more of a game changer because it would require me- messing up a lot of the chemistry that the starters have. It would require moving pieces, perhaps um, getting rid of one of the starters or moving somebody to the bench. It would just require too many changes um, for a starting lineup that like net rating wise, they have been like among the best in the NBA. So do you want to mess with that? Or do you just want to get something to um, help them with those scoring droughts when uh, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam sit down and give someone, uh, give them someone alongside um, Scotty and Gary Trent who can help, you know, um, balance out and keep them above the waters during those stretches because um, Fred Van Vliet's playing some of the most minutes in the NBA. Um, Pascal Siakam is playing, you know, 38 plus regularly nowadays. So they just need somebody to help with scoring. The person that you're describing happened to possibly play for the Indiana Pacers and maybe <laughs> face the Raptors yeah. in a playoff me, series I, a lot not too long ago. Yeah, a lot of people don't see it, but I, I would love Karis LeVert on the Raptors. Like, um, he to me, he'll be like that, that exact type of player who's just like can create for themselves uh, and can work within a broader offense um and you know i don't think he's much of a defensive liability that it makes it like playing him seems like there's no point but i i i I, every time the raptors play you know whether it was brooklyn nets or the pacers i noticed him i just noticed that this is a guy who like he's always cooking us (laughs) the bubble feels like a long time ago but it really was not that long ago and i mean the raptors played the nets in the first round we watched what karis was able to do in the bubble yeah, and I feel like he's someone who's attainable, which is like the yes. the most the important thing. factor too. Like he's <laughs> yeah. someone who's gettable without, I feel like, getting rid of the uh, very best guys on the team. So to me, he's just that spark plug. I think he would thrive in that six man role as a starter. Um, there are some limitations for him, and I feel like everyone starting right now for the Raptors um, is better than Karis Lever, But having him as a six man would be awesome. I think that he's the type of guy who will have like a he reminds me of Norm in the sense that I, I could totally see him having a series in the postseason where he's just shining. He's that type of guy. Um, break glass in like case of emergency, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, like a break glass in case of emergency when your starters yeah. don't have it because there are nights where they might not be able to score. And he's kind of instant yeah. offense when he gets in there because he can create his own shot. Um, 
I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not anti that. I'm not anti that. I really like this team, but if they were going to do anything, get some, some more scoring off the bench, I'm with you on that. Now they're still a pretty good team as they are right now. I'm trying to find a way to like segue into this next thing, but I kind of want to talk about the Raptors. They beat the bucks. They're above 500 and they're the seventh seed in the Eastern conference. I think you and I kind of are on the same page about them being able to finish as a top six team in the Eastern conference. But I'm going to ask you, are you like, are you on the same page with me on that? Yeah, that was, that was my uh, pre new year's prediction. I said, January, they're going to be a succeed. Um, I looked at like the um, upcoming schedule for a bulk of the teams in the East. Um, I feel like they, if, if they are, if luck is on their side, their worst um, injuries and COVID protocols are behind them. So if they are able to maintain health for the second half of the season, which is a lot to ask in today's NBA. Um, Especially considering the minutes that they're all playing and the load that like, yeah. someone like Fred Van Vliet has to take on. I I just keep harping on this, wrap him in bubble wrap. I, Alex McKechnie yeah. work all of the magic that you possibly have on him because if he goes down, that's it. And yeah, he, he's it, so it, important it, it, to this team. And there's, you can't, there's no Fred Van Vliet duplicate. Like the Raptors, I think, can withstand OG going down for a while. They can even withstand Pascal Siakam going down for a while. We saw it. It's not ideal, but they can withstand it. I don't think they can withstand any Fred time. And it's just a, it's a, it speaks to the thinness at guard that they have right now in terms of just playable guys. Like the reason why you can withstand Pascal or OG is because you're going to have Scotty, you're going to have Utah, you're going to have even Precious. Like you're going to have multiple bodies who can just at least defensively keep it uh, above water. But it's just, it's so thin at guard right now. Um, and with uh, Delano and Malachi kind of struggling right now, you can't rely on them. They're rookies, they're young players. Uh, Malachi's on his second year. Um, it, it's just tough in those positions. But um, yeah, like if, based on what I saw for record, it's a lot to ask for them to maintain health for the second half, half of the season. But if they're able to, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that I can see them just um, having a chance against any competition, um, on a game to game basis. And I'm not talking about the postseason, but, um, you know, I'm less concerned actually what, with what happens in the postseason. I just want them to, to get there and to gain that experience as a unit. Cause I feel like it's going to be so important to their development moving forward in the next couple of years. This is such a young team, even the veterans on this team, like typically on um, the better, uh, playoff teams, you have guys above 30 who are, you know, the bulls have DeMar DeRozan, who has just been like a wealth of, um, veteran, um, presence on the team especially in those fourth quarters you saw we've been seeing him dominated um even uh the Sixers have it the uh every single team has it even the Cavs they had age even without the age thing the Raptors veterans are it's their first time in the situation that they're exactly, in. Yeah. Whereas like other teams, veterans, regardless of their age, like Joel Embiid is what probably the same age as Seattle, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming, but he's been the number one player for that team for, for years at this point. Whereas we're finally seeing Fred and Pascal and OG and, and Scotty as a rookie in these roles that they're first in. So I agree with you that the Raptors just don't have the experience to be like, Oh, they need to win a round when they get there. She's kind of like yeah. get there and let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Like I was just saying today that uh, rookie of the year was like the priority when we were like below 500 and when we stank. <laughs> but like now I have bigger plans. I want to see Scotty have his coming out. It's like nail polish emoji you have to do after that. You're fancy <laughs> now. 
<laughs> That's an upgrade. <laughs> now, okay, so in order for them to get to the top six, because they're seventh right now, one of those top six teams has to fall out. Just as a yeah. refresher, we're talking about Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Chicago, Philly, and Cleveland. I'm missing somebody. Miami. Sixers. Wait, no, no, Miami. I said yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, Miami's a team that I'm missing there. So which one of those six teams? Um, I think the Cavs, just simply because of the injuries. I think that at full health, they are probably better than the Raptors. Um, especially with uh, the season Rubio has been having, ha- I feel like that's just kind of pushed them over the edge with yeah. having a and they have those vets. Uh, veteran they have point guard. They have Rubio. Yeah, they have the vets there as well. Yeah, and Kevin Love as well, who's been mm-hmm. great the last few games. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I feel like that has put them over the edge, but with um, Colin Sexton's injury um, I f- and with Rubio's uh, season-ending injury, I feel like that just kind of um, is a huge blow to them, unfortunately. So I feel like they're probably the most likely to lose some steam um, and uh, fall out of the top six. And that would be, I feel like, the Raptors' pathway to this top six because I feel like all of the other teams in that range are a better team than the Raptors. So um, I, if everything works out, that's that should be how the East shakes out. But obviously things haven't gone to plan <laughs> this season. So we'll see. 2022, it's a new year. New, yeah, new everything's year, like, I, I don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, of- I want to know, though, from the sort of teams that are around that play in range with the Raptors right now, the Charlotte Hornets, the Atlanta Hawks, yeah. the Washington Wizards, the Boston Celtics, which one of those teams do you think is the Raptors' biggest threat to a top six spot outside of Cleveland? Cleveland is clearly that for right now, but outside of that, which, which one of those other teams? Probably the Celtics. I feel like the Wizards um, had a hot start, lost steam. Um, I feel like the... Hornets are just very young. Um, so I don't really see them as a threat to the Raptors. I feel like the Raptors stars are more seasoned, just, mm-hmm. you know, based yeah. on that. Um, and yeah, what I just, the Hawks? I, I feel like. Because everyone Hawks, was very um, high on the Hawks coming into the season. And they, I didn't know why everyone was as high on them, but I definitely had them as a top six seed. I think I had them as a six seed right below the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah. The Hawks and the Knicks have underperformed. I think um, it's just been a matter of defense. I feel like their defense has really struggled outside of the bubble from last season. And uh, I'm not sure why I would have to look at the numbers. And also, obviously, injuries have affected the or um, also COVID, I think. So um, has really affected the Hawks. So defense um, would be the answer for the Knicks as well. Yeah, I feel like that's been an issue. I don't really see them as a threat in that sense. If they had more reinforced front courts that were able to really um, affect the Raptors front court players, I, I would, you know, say otherwise, but, uh, I say the Celtics because they have that back, that backcourt defense that has given the Raptors struggle in Marcus Smart. They have the front court defense in Jason Tatum and, um, even, um, Jalen Brown, who, uh, had success against Pascal Siakam last, last their last playoff oh, round. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like just positionally the Raptors and the Celtics kind of mirror each other. I feel like the, um, the factor, the X factor that really puts the Raptors ahead would be Scotty Barnes, who has, uh, you know, shown that he can play well against them. He can um, really pressure their front court because, yeah, maybe they can stop Siakam, but can they deal with OG and Scotty Barnes as well? So um, I, I feel like the Celtics would be the biggest threat in a play-in scenario. I would hate to watch that playoff series. <laughs> I would literally like would between like my fingers. Uh, so you, you mentioned him, Pascal Siakam. He did have trouble against Jalen Brown in the bubble, but that feels like a different lifetime ago. Um, I feel like what Pascal can do, it, it was so funny because I think going into that series, we're all like, 
the Celtics don't really have anyone big enough to guard Pascal though like he's just he's longer than Jalen he should be able to and he had that like phenomenal game against them earlier in that in that regular season yeah. prior to to the shutdown yeah. so it kind of seemed <clears throat> like he was poised to really go off in that series and be the sort of determining factor there I guess he was a determining factor but in the wrong way um but what are your what are your thoughts on Pascal Siakam now because let's let's burn the last 18 months for Pascal <laughs> let's just focus on 2022 because he looks as good as he's ever looked yeah I think he's honestly playing like his best basketball the only thing that has not been up to par to his best season is his three-point shooting. But even then, he's played, what, 20 games? So we'll see how that levels out over the course and of... And in the last five games, I want to say he he's not making yeah. a lot. He's not taking a lot. But he is make, he's making 39% of his threes. Um, yeah. It's only one three a game. So he's not taking as many as you would want him to. But yeah, certainly. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's honestly, when you ha- have had as much success uh, finishing as he has and with the mid-range as he has... should he take more than three uh threes a game you know what I mean so um I feel like um he his game management is just so much more poised he just looks far more like a veteran I feel very comfortable when I see the ball in Pascal's hands nowadays um whereas before even in his best season it was like okay what is he gonna do now whereas now I'm like he's so patient he'll wait the clock out he's not doing anything erratic um even if he's missing shots I'm just like okay that was a clear decision you made the correct decision every time I see it. And I think the most impressive of all has just been his chemistry with Scotty Barnes. Um, it was always a question of, can these guys coexist? Not only are they coexisting, they're literally yes. thriving together. Like they have this, they, they're connected. Um, there's a lot of chemistry there. Um, they're they're playing off of each other. Like the give and goes that they just have um, within the perimeter has just been so fun to watch. Um, and I cannot, this is like, not like we're approaching halfway mark of the halfway mark of the season. So to see how they may, may look at the end of the season, perhaps next year is really exciting just because of that. So um, yeah, not only has Pascal been, you know, um, playing well, but he's just been thriving right now in the system, playing some of his best basketball. He's finishing um, at the h- highest level than he has ever, you know, finished. He before. attacks he- with such confidence and he's getting to the line, which is so important. Yes. Counters the too. Yeah. And I mean, talking about his chemistry with, with, um, Scotty, I mean, his chemistry with Fred VanVleet has always been spectacular. I think yeah. him and, and Fred have always had the best chemistry to me. Um, but just, w- we talked about this, you know, the last time that we spoke, last pod that we did about Fred shooting um, and how just, how how you unlock another level of Fred VanVleet when you allow him to play off ball. And Pascal Siakam's just, um, his dominance right now and his ability to feel comfortable taking the ball and making the right decisions has really unlocked another level of Fred Van Vliet in another way as well. I think we, we focus way too much on Pascal Siakam's like tears. Is he, can he be a number one player on a team? Can he be the second? Like who cares about any of that is kind of what we learned. Cause can Fred? No. Cause he's like five, 10 on a good day. Like it doesn't matter. It when you have a team that looks like the Raptors look right now, where, I mean, just think about that Milwaukee Bucks game. Think about how all of those starters sort of scored. I mean, we've had Fred Vliet on this insane tear, and then Pascal Siakam sort of takes up on one night. That's kind of how the Raptors sort of operate. And when Pascal looks good, he makes Fred look better, and that makes Scotty look better. And it kind mm-hmm. of works as like this unit, and it's coming together, and the chemistry is there, and it's so special. So for all those people who are like talking about needing to trade Pascal because he can't be the number one player on the team or all of that sort of nonsense, no, because when Pascal looks his best, he makes everyone around him better. So it doesn't matter. Matter that he's not a number one player because there are only like five or six of them in the league 
So it doesn't matter that he's not that. And, yeah, it and matters that he's this. Yeah, yeah you, well, that's a great point. It's all, it reminds me of, it's kind of like the, uh, like the Julius Randall experience where um, uh, he ha- like just his body language on b- bad nights. Uh, he, you could tell he's really discouraged, and that his when his, when things aren't going well over the course of a game, if he's not getting his typical numbers, you could tell it really is getting to him, and that he will try and get him um, in the final minutes of a a, um, a game where they're being blown out. The Knicks, you know what I mean? Whereas. I feel like Pascal has a very team focused approach to the game. Maybe yes. that comes from years of playing with Lowry, but you could tell that the priority is winning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, they're going, they're going to be nights where he has 35 points. They're going to be nights where he has maybe 12 points, but he, you're going to say you, that doesn't really determine whether it was a good or bad game. You know what I mean? So um, his play uh, when he has a good game, it's a very just holistic uh, effect on the team it's very yeah. rare that you see pascal have a good, good game and they lose yeah which i and, think is kind of a testament to his effect on the entirety of the team yeah and that's the kind of player that you want to surround your team with you want as many of those players as possible that's so much better than having just one star and a bunch of like around you which is kind of what it seems like people wanted um so I just wanted to bring that up but um okay we kind of I kind of talked about it I kind of touched on it just back in that Milwaukee game where you had so many starters go off I mean that scored 117 points in that game which is phenomenal and literally 15 of them came from the bench and 100 the rest all came from uh the the starters what is that 102 points from your starters combined which Oh, that can't God. be right. <laughs> that can't possibly be right. That's yeah. what my numbers say. Uh, let, me, let me look that up. But okay, so my question is, while I while I verify my numbers, point is the bench did not contribute very much in terms of scoring in that game. And it seemed like a lot of people were worried about that. Do you have any concerns about the bench scoring? We talked about needing someone like Harris, but do you yeah. think the Raptors can move forward without somebody like that, without making a move there? Yeah, I think that's like the team's Achilles heel, like just not having that... Um, like, I feel like every good team has like that, that secret, um, weapon off the bench, a guy who can like easily give you 18 points per game. Um, and you know, the Raptors of past years have had that luxury, but this this season, um, they just have a, a ton of pieces who can give you eight points per game or so. Um, and that's not really, my numbers were right, by the way. What? Sorry, my numbers were right. I like back <laughs> and I was like, that cannot possibly be true. No, it's true. Oh, so, sorry, continue. <laughs> but, but yeah, like just having one player who can give you 18 points per game off the bench would be a game changer for that stat. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. guy who can come in and um play with the starters for stretches. And yeah, that's just been the Achilles heel of the team. Like I I, I feel like in a playoff setting, it might be less. Um, of an issue because then you feel less guilt about playing your starters, you know, 39 minutes or whatever. Um, and you're, you can tighten your rotation to seven, eight players and mm-hmm. get away with it. But that's not, you know, the, uh, that's not the pre- preferable option. Like it, uh, teams of past we like even the championship Raptors, like there was no OG. Think about how good OG is. We were able to sustain a run championship run without him we were able to sustain a championship run with Fred Van Vliet vanishing for a couple of rounds you know so um that would not be you know there are going to be a series where there's a starter who's just not you know they're on a cold streak it happens in the regular season it happens in the postseason um the issue the difference is that 
you know, the, the better teams are able to step up and, um, you know, keep them afloat during those three, four game stretches where a star might not be playing up to par. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like in, for the Raptors, if the stars aren't at their um, season average or above, <laughs> it's curtains, it's curtains in like a four game sweep. So like, um, I feel like just having that bench scoring will really just open up like that more margin of error, which is um, super narrow right now. I'm flying high off of these wins. It's how you know that I'm going to be just be so reactionary because I'm just like, yeah, but like, Think about how perfect it is to have OG as your third option. Like, think about yeah. how perfect it is that that Scotty can like remember how to start the year we're like Scotty's literally the best raptor right now. Like, what is yeah. happening? So Ricky, Scotty can have a bad game like he just had. And I'm just like, yeah. and and it's totally fine. He's allowed to be a rookie and make his mistakes because you have Pascal who can go off, or Fred who can go off, or Gary who can go off, or OG who can go off. And I'm just like, the starters are really good. Yes, the bench kind of feels yeah. a little bit weak. What What are your thoughts about just having a bench that is just, you know, three or four just sort of really dogged defenders that can go in? And, and you know, we know that Nurse is fine sort of staggering minutes <clears throat> and kind of mixing and matching. Do you think that that's sort of a road that the Raptors might look to go if they can't pull someone who's – because those guys who can score off the bench, those kind of microwave guys, are always more pricey than the defenders that the Raptors tend yeah. to go for. No, so that's, that's that? true. Um, I think what makes it complicated is the fact that um, two of our better players uh, in Scotty and Pascal, I feel like they're not the most reliable three-point shooters. I feel like when Scotty and Pascal are on the, on the floor, Fair. you want floor spacers for them to thrive. You know what I mean? I feel like they're best uh, situationally, like you want those guys, those two guys in the middle of the court, in the, in the paint. Um, and in order to do that, you need to have um, really excellent catch and shooters surrounding them. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So when um, 
when Fred and Gary sit, or, you know, I don't know how Nick Nurse would, um, you know, I feel like every game, it looks different. <laughs> Typically, he has like a, he has a system for Pascal and Freddie, but with the other guys, it seems to be more situational um, in terms of how they lay out their minutes over the course of a game. Um, but yeah, I think that makes it a little more complicated. Um, so that, you, you know, I feel like, yeah, they probably should opt for that pricier bench piece. Um, but I think that it, I, I honestly don't know if it's something that they do in the midseason. I feel like it's something they do when they, if they truly, well, we'll see what they think of this team by midseason because I feel like if they get that kind of player, this is a team they think they, that that has can a window in the next few years. If they quickly. don't, yeah. yeah, if they don't, I think this is a team that they think um, they just want to, like Nick Nurse said um, in that JJ Reddick interview, they just want everyone to play to the best of their abilities, uh, boost their value on the market, and then maybe make some. Um, changes in the future but if they look to reinforce um the squad with those periphery those peripheral changes that we just spoke about um this is a team that they see having a bit of a window for the next few years so yeah we'll see how that plays out that's fair now let's let's talk about the bench for a second you mentioned it the Raptors really can can afford to sort of tighten up that rotation come playoff time of course that's what every team wants to do but we talked about the minutes that Pascal and Fred and all of these guys are already logging. So how deep do you think Nick Nurse should be going into his bench? What, how long do you think the Raptors rotation should be right now for games in January? What are your thoughts? For games in January? Um, yeah, like, I mean, for the, the rest season. of the season, like moving forward, like what do you think the Raptors rotation length should really be? Okay. So you have the starters, which is um, Scotty, Pascal, Gary, OG, um, and, who am I forgetting? Scotty, Pascal, Gary, OG, and Fred. Freddie? Did I say Fred? Yeah, you didn't say Fred. And then, okay, of course, so the Freddie sixth well. starter, which is Ken. We're going to count. Yeah, so you have Ken Fred as well. Starter. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so um, off the bench, Ken Birch, I want to see play. Um, I want to see Precious play. I want to see um, Utah play. Um, I'm not sure I want to see. I feel like um, like last game, I felt that uh, Chris Boucher was great. Game before that, I thought he was solid. Um, but if the priority is to um, rack up wins or if it's to develop, I'm not sure. Um, I, I would like yeah. to see it go nine people deep. I throw in Delano in there because I feel like um, Delano has more upside than Malachi. But I feel like it's um, the Raptors aren't that cutthroat with their rotation. I feel like no. they're going to go 12 deep if they want. Yeah. So um, ideally for me, it would probably be nine players and it would be like the five starters. And then in addition to Kem, Precious, um, Utah and Delano. That's fair. That's fair. And I, I did like you bringing up that Nick Nurse interview because I thought it was great with with um, JJ Reddick there. And Nick talked about his sort of philosophy, his coaching philosophy, which I thought was really great. And he said one is, of course, to instill winning. And then number two was to um, increase each player's value in the marketplace, which he's done. And he talked about that kind of working together. Right. And, and Fred has talked about this where he said, yeah, I want to be an all star. I, I, I want to be an all star. And I recognize that winning allows me to be an all-star, right? Like nobody's going to award Fred or Pascal or anybody all-star berths if they're not winning as well. And it's it's great because I feel like that's been the Raptors philosophy for a long time is to increase each player's market value. I mean, their, their ability to pull guys like Fred, who was undrafted and to me just has one of the greatest basketball stories just ever. I think Fred yeah. has just such a special um, NBA story. 
And also guys like Justin Champagny that I wanted to talk about, like how special has he been, um, you know, with Svi and, and Utah out just kind of being a plug and play guy and really shining in his moments that he's got to play. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a testament to the way that Nick Nurse coaches. And of course, all credit is to the players as well. Um, yeah. And like, so I, I want to make sure to give credit to the players there, but also credit to the Raptors as an organization, um, you know, Coach Thorpe talked about it. He talked about it in that, he talked about it to us. He talked about it um, in the, the interview that he recently did um, on the Masai Ujiri article, which everybody should go read yeah, um, about, yeah, you can't go to Sacramento. <laughs> like If guys that came to the Raptors went to Sacramento, they wouldn't have the same successes. It's because yeah. of the culture it's that scenario. the Raptors really does. It scenario matters so much. And he, he talked about that with us. He said, Russ can go anywhere and be Russell Westbrook because he is just that gifted of a player. He could have gone to any scenario and he would have had the career that he's had. But that's not the case for a lot of these guys. I don't know that that's necessarily the case for a guy like Fred Van Vliet. I don't know that that's the case for a guy like Pascal Siakam or guys like Justin Champagny. So like how special do you think for one, Justin has been, but also just what the Raptors have really done here? Um, Yeah, Justin's been really special. And what's been so special is that um, his best moments have been um, in his um, off, uh, off the stat sheet plays you know what I mean just like uh his decision making he's just very he sound right he makes proper cuts yeah, he's he, in perfect he, rebounding position he's just there oh yeah his rebounding position his um, vertical like has just been okay this guy if he just gains even just like one or two skills he's an NBA player with a contract ahead of him mm-hmm. uh if he just gains like the corner three scale which he says that Nick Nurse makes him do 200 every morning <laughs> so he's on that regimen uh if he just is able to master um a simple three-pointer um he, he's gonna be a super useful role player that a lot of teams are gonna want like this is a guy who could play the four and the five at his size and he can switch <laughs> between one through five um so uh he's been extremely special um i think that the what we've seen from him and his limited play um signals a really cool future i think on the raptors so um usually if a player um kind of shines just through scoring it's like okay what happens when they are not scoring <laughs> you know what happens when they lose that steam um is when you know it tapers off and then we see the holes in their game but this guy has like the foundation nailed he plays the right way um he says that he's not looking to before he thought he was thinking too much but now he's just kind of making um, more instinctual decisions on the court um, and that it, it looks so great. So uh, when we see what he can do, um, if he's not scoring at all, once he gains that ability, once he gains that one or two offensive moves and adds it to his really solid um, defensive game, uh, I'm really excited to see what he turns out to be because yeah, I just, I see good things. I see good signs all the time when he's on the court. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that like Zach Lowe would call the Raptors the highest IQ team when they had, you know, Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And I feel like that doesn't go away. <laughs> like You see it. Cause they, they like, you see it in Fred Van Vliet. You see it in Pascal Siakam. Like those were the youngins who grew up with those vets and we're kind of seeing it in the next generation. Sorry, my phone just dropped. Um, but speaking of Fred Van Vliet, who is just spectacular and I love him. And so great. The all-star vote returns have come back. Now, before we talk about Fred Van Vliet's chance of becoming an all-star, what are your thoughts on those returns? I wasn't too surprised. Um, there are a couple that um, left me kind of uh, perplexed. <laughs> I think that's the LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, the uh, Derek Rose left me confused. Time out. Kyrie. Derek Rose, I get. Derek Rose and Kyrie, I get. Like, I don't like it, but yeah, I get it, like, it, right? Like, Yao Ming, 
literally led all-star votes when he basically retired, right? Like Kobe Bryant was out for an entire year and still led. I'm saying like, when I say led, I don't mean like, oh yeah, he was in the top 10. No, no, no. Number one go-getter as someone who was injured for an entire year. I get it for guys with big fan bases. Don't like it for Derrick Rose, but he's a former MVP and it's always going to be there. And he plays for the biggest market in sports, regardless of how good they are. Um, and they they seem to gravitate towards him. Lamarcus he's, that's the thing that gets me. No one, like, does does New York care about Brooklyn? What? Lamarcus wasn't getting votes when Lamarcus was Lamarcus, right? Like, even yeah, when like, he was at the height of his career, he was not like, oh yeah, that's an all-star starter. No, that was like, Oh yeah, he's got he's there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, fishy. He's there. Something fishy's happening. I don't how does he have I, more I votes than Fred? <laughs> thank you. My timeline is Fred, 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 Fred. All the oh my god. And like Even the he, NBA accounts are tweeting about Fred, 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 Fred. It's all Fred stuff. And Lamarcus Aldridge has more votes than he does. Also, DeMar DeRozan has played power forward and small forward, like power forward 90% of the, the time. <laughs> like small forward in the minute that he hasn't played power forward. Like, what is he doing as a guard on that? I'm so confused at yeah, like, the it, breakdown of this. That was, you, you could tell it's in order to make space for all the um for front court players they want to include. And like, I don't know. I feel like- He um, feels guard heavy, does it not? Um, not really. If like, Fred Van Vliet and Darius Garland are able to sneak uh, into that top yeah. 10, it's not too dense. Like a very, I feel like Vucevic, I feel like was the only um, front court play where I'm like, eh, you know, it's, he's not going to be an all-star, but whatever. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of question marks in the East for guard um, that I did not understand, but you know, I wasn't too shocked by Fred Van Vliet's vote. Um, I feel like a lot of Raptors fans are probably still voting for Larry and DeRozan, which... <laughs> It's kind of strategically shooting yourself in the foot, but you know, do what you want. Uh, but it, see, I, I didn't know that voting for DeRozan would be. I I thought that he would be a forward. <laughs> yeah, so. it's not even their call. Um, but also, also, um, yeah, yeah, I wasn't too shocked by Fred Lee's Well, I was happy he stuck in. I honestly didn't think it might it would show initially, even though I kept seeing um his you know, the tweets mentioning him getting thousands of retweets on the timeline every single day but I, I there's something scared. fishy going on I we need an yeah. investigation <laughs> dishes and dimes on dead it. on it um <laughs> dishes on it um, um but yeah I was dishes and crimes um I yeah I was just happy he, he appeared on the ballot but um yeah it is it's kind of strange I feel like uh, I I feel like also the Raptors have just kind of started rolling recently. Um, so I know that even like, um, mm. yeah, it's hard to vote You're for probably your own right. team even if your team sucks. Like it's, it's difficult. You're um, probably right. Yeah. So I feel like we'll see what the second return says, especially as they've been rolling. We'll, you know, and I'm let sure me tell you, Kyle time. Lowry, that first time that he made it as a starter. Now, I don't think that Fred Van Bleed is going to make it as a starter this year. I, I, yeah, I think he's going to make it as Drake a reserve. Tweeting like, unless it. Justin Bieber and Drake put a tweet out. But if you remember, like, when Kyle Lowry made it for as a starter the first time, the returns came out, and he was way back in Kyrie and, and probably Rose and everybody else. Uh, Rose might have been playing in the West. Who, who knows? Who can keep up with his career? But um, it just felt like a lot of the big names were ahead of him, and Raptor fans made a push like I've never seen. And, and Matt Devlin is doing it on call. He says Fred Van Bleet, hashtag NBA All-Star. He calls him one every time Fred makes a play. So I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a push. 
feel like we're going to see a bump in that second return. I think your point about the Raptors just sort of starting to roll recently is probably correct because I forgot that like maybe it's recency bias for me where I'm like, okay, the last week I've just seen Fred Van Vliet, whereas maybe the week before that it wasn't the case. That is true. Yeah, I feel like his campaign started very recently, started to get that huge push in the last week or two. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I don't know how long Oh, voted. But like, when was LaMarcus Aldridge's push? That's my (laughs) question. I I do not know. uh, (laughs) I feel like maybe they should start adding some rules to this. Like, I mean, they they have rules. Because now it's not going to be fan voting. More of these rules. <laughs> it's not going to be just enough. fan voting. They're going to have media. So we're not. Doesn't matter how many times you vote for Derrick Rose, he will not be an All Star. Not in yeah. our Lord 2022. Not. I don't even know what the saying is. I don't know how to say. It. Not. But in what, do you, what do you think is? I, I feel like Fred has a, a great chance with the coach's decisions to yeah. um, select. I feel like. I feel like he's kind of. If it's between him and Garland, I'm comfortable with Fred's chances. I just feel like there's more. Oh, he's a veteran. There's more awareness about him. He has playoff moments. He he's has. I feel narrative. like he's, he's got a great Pardon? narrative. He's got a great. Yeah, he has narrative. a great narrative. People and love that story. If the Raptors surpass the Cavs in the standings, justifying the Cavs having multiple All Stars because Jared Allen will be an All Star this year, it just won't make sense when yeah. the Raptors won't have any. And I think that that's going to play a part because when when coaches think about oh we're playing the Cavs, they're thinking about that like seven foot behemoth seven foot behemoth and seven foot behemoth that they're going to have to play yes they're thinking about Darius Garland as well but they're really gonna like focus first on like okay well yeah. how are we gonna score on like the triple twin towers that we have going on yeah there? um whereas when you're playing the Raptors you start it's being Fred. like it's Fred we yeah. have to figure Fred out first and then we sort of move on from there and so I yeah. think that that's going to give Fred Van Vliet the edge as well yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I just think it, it I love how I just made Lori Markin in a, a good defender in my <laughs> in my quest yeah. to to take votes away from Darius Garland. Like they're, yeah. they're worried I feel like about Lori Markin. Like coaches are super kind of backwards. Like they'll just go with I feel like the name they they recognize more. The name that comes up like when Joe the, John the name that comes up more on the scouting reports they'll go with. Fred is always going to be at the top of their scouting reports. And then it's going to be like Pascal. They like vets. We saw it. Like Kyle Lowry snuck in one year where I was like, Kyle's an Austin. Okay. Kyle's what year was it? Was it 2018, 2019? No, no, no. Where he was like, like 14 points per game. I think it was 2019, 2020. Because remember, he turned it on really in that like, oh no. He turned on in December of that year. Maybe it was 20. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was, that year. It was the, um, like, yeah. uh, the finals. Yeah, year. The Raptors were like probably number one in the conference or something. It was the finals year. year. The Raptors were. Yes. And like they were. It was Kawhi and Kyle. And you were like, oh, OK. <laughs> like Pascal yeah. got it the year after. I was all for it just because, you know what? They stole one from Kyle Lowry in his first year because they gave it to Joe Johnson. And he, and he, was he stole one best. too. That was veteran privilege right there. <laughs> and that's what happened. So we're, we're hoping that that happens for Fred Bentley. He's also got a great yeah. story, a great narrative. People love that. And yeah, he 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 is who you have to game plan for when you play the Raptors. And Darius Garland is so much fun. He's great. He will be an all-star in his career, like knock on wood oh, if he yeah. stays healthy. Because no I mean, what's happening in the Cavs is, is really sad. But um. He, he's he's so fun and he's so good like he's so good I just feel like the edge goes to Fred Van Vliet because Fred Van Vliet has just been phenomenal this year there's no doubt in my mind that he's not an all-star and we're seeing the propaganda you know the propaganda is real when you see a tweet and it doesn't say like Canada at the end but it's just like the American version of like a sports media empire so you're like yeah okay oh okay. yeah yeah ESPN's on it yeah. <laughs> NBA is on it um yeah. so yeah now finally 
I did want to talk about someone who recently had his jersey retired. Dirk Nowitzki had that uh, Wednesday night. I, for one, was confused. I was like, who chooses to do it against the Golden State Warriors, who are the number one oh, team God. in the league? Because <laughs> why? Like, I don't know if you're <laughs> what am I like dirty little secrets is that I love Paul Pierce. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know. Um, we know. <laughs> Uh, and so like I was really excited for Paul Pierce's jersey retirement too and if you remember it was such oh, a yeah. mess because it was like as Isaiah Thomas gonna be honored da, 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 da. it was such a mess but um it was against the Cavs and they got oh, destroyed God, and, like, it was so embarrassing <laughs> you just have like the camera pan to Paul and he's just like I called him Paul. That's weird. You know, like, that. uh, you know, pan towards Pierce, and he just had like this, like, oh, I don't want to be here face anymore. So I was like, why would you, for one, do it against the Warriors? Because the Warriors are on a hot streak. Except I don't know. Stephen Curry has decided every game it's going to be like he's playing five and week. Like that is what yeah, he's, he's doing every single me, game. Yeah. Um, but um, the, the Mavs ended up winning, and also it felt weird because. You're honoring Dirk Nowitzki, Dirk Nowitzki, and one of his, um, like one of his low points in his career was the Warriors series. Yeah. So I'm like, why is that the team that you're choosing to honor him against? Like, if I, I, I don't, I'm like, don't get I feel me, like, like we that maybe the team. NBA determines um, when it happens. Maybe they determine when maybe. it's slotted into um, national television. So I feel like if the team, it was up, if it was up to the organization solely, I feel like they'd be more strategic with their. Yeah, they might have picked um, the Nets. Game. The Nets would have been cool because you would have had Steve Nash there instead of like Dirk yeah. Nash would yeah. have been like a cool thing. But no, they chose the Warriors, which I was like, okay, we believe memories might not be great, but it was it was an incredible moment. And um, I wanted to ask you what your favorite sort of Dirk memory is I'll say mine is just his 2011 run like that to me was just like it was so great because Dirk had this narrative of like European and soft and like he can't ever get there once again but we believe like oh yeah he's in a onesie look at him lose to the eight seed he can't do it and as after fans we kind of understand that where you're like this team was so good but every time they get to the playoffs they're dismissed because of the losses that they keep having yeah. to go up yeah. against again and again and it kind of ruins the narrative about Damar or Kyle or Pascal or any of these guys and they're like no they're so good at which people would pay attention and that's kind of yeah. Dirk's story for so long up until the 2011 playoffs where like it blows my mind that he went up against James Harden, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook beat them he went up against Kobe Bryant beat him Kobe Bryant and Pal Gasol like and it's not like oh these were like old or watch like the Lakers had just made the finals the year before in 2010 and won a championship the year before and the following season the Mavs beat them the Thunder yes they were young but they were a year away they from well, they, yeah. they and they were a year away from making the finals themselves in 2012 so it's like they were still really good and he managed to beat them and then he beats the Heatles, which, I mean, is the pinnacle of everything. And as someone who was a diehard Raptors fan and watched Bosch just, like, dip. And I was like, okay, F y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I was such a fan of that 2011 Navs team. And I think Dirk's, like, rise there kind of feels like some sort of, like, it feels almost like a, like a... Myth-making. Yeah, yeah. like, it, I was going to say, it feels like a myth. It feels like a legend where you're, like, he has to slay every dragon, and it's, like, the biggest, scariest dragon that's ahead of him. And not just him, but, of course, that entire team, Tyson Chandler, Jason Kidd, you know, um, who, who am I forgetting? J.J. Barea, Sean Marion, like, all those guys. But, like, 
Dirk. Dirk was so special that entire way through. And he beat the three-headed dragon at the end, which was the Heatles. And I love that so much. So that's my favorite memory. Um, yeah. It was just that that run. Is, is that yours as well? Or do you have another one there? Oh, absolutely. I still watch highlights of that run. And so yeah, it was like, it's the stuff of movies. I feel like they can make like a documentary. I feel like, is there a documentary on it? Maybe there's a YouTube documentary, but I feel like they can make an actual documentary about that run and it would be like Last Dance sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his I feel like he just kind of changed the game for big men and you see its effects still kind of rippling in the NBA today and what we expect of our big men. Um, you have them uh, trying to master their mid-range game, trying to master their floor spacing um the turnaround fadeaway just the skill level that we demand from seven footers has been transformed and i feel like it's almost solely or very it's it's he has a bulk of the responsibility for that so i just feel like he's just raised our standard of nba basketball by bringing his style to this league um and just has had a cascading effect on the players that we're seeing today, um, even for the Raptors, you see Pascal with his turnaround fadeaway mm-hmm. as a six nine power forward. You see um, Giannis continuously trying to master his three, his mid range. It's because these players watched Dirk growing up. You know what I mean? And they want to look like that. They want to um, uh, build the counters that they have to all the defenses that they face, and they want to be that guy who leads their team to you know an eventual championship. So um, yeah, I'm so glad that he had a ceremony and. And um, yeah, he's one. I put him up there with um, Steph Curry and with one LeBron of James in terms of yeah. players who have actually transformed the game. So it it's not only based on like how we're ranking players, but just like co- the cultural impact on basketball is up there. Without a doubt, he changed basketball um, for, for big men. We we just would not see this. And it feels like it continuously tries to be replicated. We got it. You know, Andre Bargnani comes. He's the next Dirk. No, Chris yeah, exactly. Stapps comes. He's the next Dirk. No, <laughs> it's like, it's just not going to happen for these other guys. And I want to say though, speaking about the Andreas and the Kristaps, he really changed the way that um, the league looks at European players. Oh yeah. yeah this yeah, is yeah. an American yeah. market. And you know, I, we talk about it a lot. There, there's a lot of xenophobia in an American market. Um, mm-hmm. And Dirk had to deal with a lot of it. I would say Pau Gasol as well in this, uh, Marcus Gasol as well. Um, these are guys who had to deal with it a lot of it. It's probably Pau and, and, and Dirk in, in a way that was like very specific and like very harsh. And them sort of beating that really changed the way that all of these teams started trusting taking an Andrea Bargnani with the number one overall pick, taking Chris Stapp's third overall, however high he was selected. That all changed with a guy like Dirk Nowitzki and seeing, seeing how you can really succeed with him. I don't know why I keep putting an N in his last name, but whatever. <laughs> um, Dirk Nowitzki, I keep, I keep doing it. Um, so I don't know. Dirk is just so special to me. He's just one of my favorite players. He changed the way that basketball is played. He changed the way that big men are played. He changed everything. Also, I mean, they beat the Heatles in the first year where I hated them. So thank you, Dirk. Uh, love you. Oh, My yeah. last question for you before we head out. It kind of looks like Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant are going to be leading Team East, Team West, Team Steph, Team Durant. Oh, if, if that's Bleak the case. Does, if Fred Van Vliet does make the all-star team, which one Steph. of these two guys is picking him? Oh, actually, this is tough because um, Kevin, is show, has, Kevin Durant has always shown Fred love. Um, even after the championship run, he said that Fred special, Pascal special, these guys that the Raptors kind of um, uh, got out of nowhere and molded into play. He really respects players that have um, who um, built their game up uh, from scratch, basically. Um, 
and aren't, you know, who haven't played it since they were toddlers or who have not been gifted with, you know, seven foot <laughs> um, frames. So um, I would not be surprised if Kevin takes Fred early. And I would not be surprised mm. if Steph does to be funny. So Steph um, is like, you're not guarding me in the All-Star game. We are not having that. Moxon won that. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who, uh, I think it was uh, Anthony Canton who messaged me saying, obviously Steph's going to do it, family over everything. <laughs> Steph's got to take his pops. But, yeah, that's bad right there. Which is great. Thank you so much, Yasmin, for joining me. You want to plug some things before you head out? Uh, yeah, so um, weekly articles for Yahoo Sports Canada. Um, if you search my name there, you probably find the pieces that I wrote. I wrote about how the Raptors have a chance to make a playoff push last week, uh, and they're doing it. <laughs> so uh, I'm the Oracle. You should read those pieces. Um, and uh, for Complex Canada, I, I write for them um, now weekly as well. So you can find my work over there. Um, and yeah, that's it. Dishes and Dimes, too. You can check me and Iman there and um, uh, Katie as well and Sandy for our art, um, for our chats uh, every uh, Monday morning. So yeah, until next Thank time. Thank you so much. Until next time. Peace out, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.